everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week we talk about all of the action that happened in week three of college gymnastics. We went to Michigan State versus Iowa, which was a lot of fun. So we share our thoughts from that meet. And we also talk about the Georgia versus Florida meet where Georgia had a meltdown on beam, but Rachel Bauman brought everyone back to life with her 10 on floor. We also discuss UCLA's redemption meet against Oregon State and much more. So stay tuned. Before we get into the episode, we want to real quickly thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. Big thank you to Kathleen R, Amy M, Lucy S, Kevin K, Maya A, Becca S, Nina L, DFP, Blake B, Elaine E, Rydog, Cookie Master, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, Erica S, Milan W, and M. Thank you all for continuing to support our show each month. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, we will have a link to our Patreon in the show notes down below. If you click that link, it'll take you to our page. You can see how much each tier level costs, what the perks are of each tier level, and all that good stuff. So that'll be down in the show notes down below, and we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. So another week of college gymnastics has come and gone. Let's talk about everything that happened in week three because I feel like it was a lot. Let's just say that we had multiple balancing situations this weekend. (laughs) In in addition to Spencer. Right. (laughs) Something about this week in college gymnastics just fell off. Did anybody else feel that way while watching? I just feel like the energy of all of these meets kind of was just weird not just within the teams but the crowds even everyone just seemed a little bit dead inside and i wouldn't be surprised if what's going on right now is affecting everybody i don't know just throwing it out there to start that i just feel like it was a weird week and we really saw that like you said not only with the crowds but also in a lot of the team's performances so we'll start with florida and georgia that was the first meet that we watched on friday and not gonna lie it was kind of a shit show (laughs) It was all over the place. So we had Florida coming out on top with a 196.975, so close to a 197, but definitely not their best, to Georgia's 194.475, which was actually a worse score than they got week one. Yeah, not by much, but... Yeah, I was hoping that after having a couple weeks off that they would maybe come back a little bit more refreshed and better looking than they did in the season opener against Michigan, but that unfortunately was not the case. Well, so I do feel like Georgia started out pretty strong, actually stronger than I thought they were going to. So um, it was a home meet for Georgia, so they started on vol, and they actually added in a lot more of their 10-0 start values than what we saw when they were at Michigan, which was nice. So they had Michaela McGee doing her one and a half, Abby Ward, of which course. Which Michaela McGee did her one and a half in Michigan. She did, yes. And so Abby Ward also did her vault, which is the Souk Fall. We had Rachel Lucas doing a one and a half. It actually looked pretty good. It was a lot better than what we saw at the first look back in December. Mm-hmm. And then Megan Roberts, of course, with her one and a half. The biggest surprise to me, though, was seeing Rachel Bauman back in the vault lineup. Yeah, Courtney kind of made it sound like maybe she was going to be out for longer on that event in particular. She said that Floor would probably be the next event to come back in addition to Beam. And then she kind of made Balt seem like a maybe depending on what happens. But like, I definitely did not expect her this soon to be back in the Balt lineup. Yeah, so she only did a full. So that's something that they definitely have room to build on. And hopefully by 
at least by postseason, maybe midseason ideally. They would have her back doing that one and a half, but I was pleasantly surprised to see her back out there already. Yeah, yeah and she had a lot of power on it, so obviously can very easily do that one and a half. Don't need to push it now, I don't think, especially if she's having a little bit of an issue still. Of course, not right now, but considering where they're at in the rankings and where they're going to need to be in order to not only make it to regionals, but then be in a good position to set themselves up to qualify to nationals. Kind of right now feels like that's a stretch, yeah. but they're, they're, something's going to have to change because as we're about to kind of outline in this meet, something is just not clicking yeah. with Georgia. So Florida, they started on bars and they got a 49-475. Definitely the highlight of that rotation was Leanne. She got a 9-9-7-5. I thought it was going to go 10. Yeah, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to go 10 and I totally would have been okay with that. It was a flawless routine. I went back and watched it. Couldn't find any deductions. I'm sure somebody out there can, but (laughs) from what I saw and I'm sure what the judges saw... Just at first glance, it was pretty perfect. She totally nailed that dismount, which we'd seen her do that before in Elite, but it's kind of hit or miss whether she sticks it or not. So it was nice to see her nail it here in college. And yeah, she's the kind of athlete that I feel like every time she goes up, she's capable of perfection. Trinity Thomas also got a 9975, which... That one I'm not mad about. I probably would have gone a little bit lower just because I do feel like that final kip cast handstand right before she goes into the dismount, she was just a little bit short, but it also was hard to see from the angle mm-hmm. that we were watching from TV. Yeah. So I probably would have gone like 9-9, maybe 9-9-5 for that. 9-9-5 for Trinity, 10 for Leanne. Right. <laughs> so little discrepancies here and there. There's a couple of areas in Florida's bar lineup that have... I don't know what the word is, if it's surprised me or confused me. I don't know what you want to call it, but Riley McCusker, I feel like, has the potential to be perfect on bars. We talk about Leanne being perfect or having the potential to be perfect. Riley McCusker is right up there as well. Yeah. But I think the thing that's going to keep her from getting a perfect score or even getting into the nine nines, it appears, is her bar dismount. So she does a double front half out, which is really nicely done. Like, it looks beautiful, but... It's hard to stick that. Yeah. And there are people out there that can do it. For example, Savannah Shane here does that dismount. And she does it so well. Yeah, she's really, really good at finding that landing. But Riley doesn't seem to have that yet. She did actually stick it. I want to say it was day two of U.S. Nationals. It might have been day one. I can't remember exactly what day it was. She, We have seen her stick it before, but we haven't really seen her stick it too much. And that's important for college. Obviously, it's all about doing your cleanest routine and getting the biggest score that you can. And with the way that she's been landing that dismount, I'm starting to wonder if it's actually worth it because she's getting almost all her deductions on that dismount alone. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she has sometimes some short handstands, just a tiny bit. Nothing that's that big of a deal that technically the judges should be taking. But it's the dismount that's always like the major glaring error or the biggest deduction. Yeah, so she got a 9-8 this week against Georgia. The week before that, she got a 9-7-5. So the dismount both weeks were one of the biggest issues in the routine. And I just can't see her sticking it. Like, it doesn't feel consistent enough. It's not that she can't stick it. Because like you said, we have seen her do it before. But I don't know how consistently she's going to be able to stick it. And I think that really, when it comes down to the end of the season... Something's going to have to be worked out. Absolutely. Because you can't be counting scores in the 9-7 range that are phenomenal routines, but then have a mistake like that. Well, right. Because when you're in elite, it's all about packing in the difficulty. And you can afford to take a step on the landing or have deductions here or there because you can make your difficulty so high. And it kind of balances it out. And when in college, it's 
the complete opposite. It's about doing everything as perfect as you can. And yeah, I can't imagine someone like Riley who can definitely bring in a 99 plus score every single week, keeping that dismount, especially if she can't stick it. Yeah. It's just going to hurt Florida in the long run. Um, I would like to see her do a Stalder double tuck. I think that's something that she could do really, really well. Okay. I'd love to see her try and like train that yeah. and see how it goes because she has a nice double tuck. She can point her toes, just adds a Stalder before I, or a, a full pirouette, I guess whatever she thinks is easiest. I feel but, like the Stalder would be a lot more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, we don't <laughs> see it a lot in college gymnastics and Riley can definitely do a Stalder. She's the kind of athlete that can do a skill like that. So And have it look so perfect. Yeah, so she can pull it off. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe the coaches will rework her routine, figure out a different option for the dismount, and then we'll see her scoring much higher. Savannah Shane here is another one that hasn't really been scoring well this season. The judges aren't liking something about her routine. Which is weird because in years past, she's been one of the highest scorers on that event. Yeah. Well, right, you expect her to go out there and nail her routine and get like a 9-9 plus score. And she's been doing what seems like good routines, but then she's getting like 9-8-2-5 or a 9-8. And going back and watching it, the biggest thing that I can find is just the handstands. I think that she's almost always short on the blind half right before her dismount. Yeah. Um, and that alone, probably if the judges are actually doing their job, is like a 10th deduction. Mm-hmm. And then not factoring in any other errors in the routine, like a flexed foot here or there, or a hop on the dismount. You know, that will bring her down. But what's weird is it seems like this season in particular, they're suddenly being harsh about those things. When yeah. really, it's the, it's the same way that she's been doing bars the entire time she's been at Florida. So I'm like, why, well, why now? <laughs> I mean, I guess we complain about the judges not doing their job, and now they decided to do their job. So I guess we really can't complain about that either. But it does seem like on, with certain gymnasts, certain teams, certain events even, that there are still a lot of scoring discrepancies. Mm-hmm. For example, literally in this Florida-Georgia meet, I wanted to ask you about Leanne Wan's vault. Because from what I saw, it was a pretty good vault. She ended up scoring a 9.825. And yes, there are deductions. Like, I think that her chest was down low. That was one of the first things I said out loud to you when she did it. Mm-hmm. I was like, her chest is down. But she got a 9.825. And I was a little bit surprised by that. Considering yeah. how some of the other vaults were scoring. It definitely was a beautiful vault. But... The thing that's tricky about a vault like that, and I think we've said this before, she does a Yurchenko half on, half off in the piked position. And a vault like that, it's really, really hard to get the distance and the amplitude off the table that you need to. So that could be one of the areas that the judges are deducting from. I also think that, you know, she did have, with this vault in particular, a really low landing, at least a 10th deduction alone, just for the position of the chest when she landed. Yeah, which I saw that. And then a little bit of form as well. Like, it's not as perfect as it could be. So I could actually see why the vault would go 9.825 if you're taking all the deductions that you're supposed to be taking. I agree. I just feel like in comparison to some of the other scores that we were seeing on vault i was kind of yeah. like i was surprised by it yeah and i think the commentators were too john and alicia they were calling for a 10 which is not surprising because i feel like they're always so desperate for a 10 they're always trying to make every routine be a 10 which is kind of funny right to me. you stick the landing you get a 10 right like they think everything is a 10 but um even they were like surprised by it like i don't know i was thinking like at least 99 <laughs> i don't know yeah it's it kind of reminds me of the conversation we had last week with 
It's hard when there's scoring discrepancies in the same meat. Yeah. You know, you can't really compare meat to meat because it's different judges and different, you know, gymnasts and different scenario completely. But um, when it's the same meat, same judges, and it's like none of this makes sense. Yeah, that's really confusing. How do you explain that to the average person watching gymnastics? Because it doesn't make sense. It's really hard to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I guess I can see why she got that score. If you're truly taking all the deductions that there is to take. But... You know, college gymnastics, they often overlook small little details. I can see why that would potentially go higher in certain meets with certain judges. Maybe Carol should have been there, <laughs> which that reminds me. We'll get to this in a second. We're going to talk about Rachel Bauman on floor, but I have to say this because it reminds me. Some guy commented on a video of Rachel Bauman's floor routine and said it was a great routine, but nowhere near a 10. Georgia loves their homemates because Carol is always judging. And then Suzanne Yachlin, who I mean, I'm sure most of you know, was the head coach at Georgia for many, many years, led them to nine NCAA titles, actually 10 NCAA titles, excuse me, but definitely a legendary coach for Georgia. And she comments back to this guy, you turkey, she wasn't there and rarely is. You turkey, that's my new favorite insult. And he responded with, I can see you still have not grown up since retirement. Oh, oof. I live for Suzanne Yachlin in this Facebook she's, group. She's so feisty. <laughs> and she's definitely out of pocket sometimes, but... She spills the tea sometimes, but she's also out of pocket a lot of the times. <laughs> she was not very happy with Greg Marsden and his Twitter commentary either, I think but a lot rightfully of, so. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of people are upset with him right now, understandably. <laughs> Anyways, let's not talk about Greg Marsden. Let's move on and talk about the final two rotations of this meet. So... Georgia was only four tenths behind going into the third rotation, and they completely lost it on beam. <laughs> they counted four falls for a team event total of 46.625. Oof. I Big didn't oof. think that Georgia beam could get any worse, and somehow they managed to just outdo themselves yeah. in a bad way. <laughs> it was bad. I'm not going to lie. Going into that third rotation, I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they were only within four tenths of Florida. Yeah. And obviously, I think we kind of all expected Florida to win the meet anyways. But to see them, you know, not completely throwing the meet away was impressive to me. But then, yeah, they got to beam and they completely threw the meet away. If there was any chance that they were going to come out on top, it definitely went down the drain with these beam routines. Georgia's had... Historically, I feel like Georgia's had beam problems, but yes. this was like a whole new level. They always have balance beam situations. <laughs> yeah, but this truly was like a completely whole new level of balance beam problems. That has to be, we, we should have looked this up beforehand, but that has to be one of the lowest scores mm-hmm. for Georgia or possibly even a Division One team in general on that event. It has to be. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens when you basically count four falls Oof. Yeah. Something needs to happen at Georgia. Maybe that's a conversation for a different day. But I do, I guess if we're going to make this a positive, well, and on a positive note, they did bring it back on the floor, actually. They went 49-525, and a big part of that was thanks to Rachel Bauman's 10 on floor. Mm-hmm. So I will say that watching it live, I definitely did not feel like I was watching a 10-hour routine. I didn't either. <laughs> but I will say now I went back and I watched it, and I'm not, like, super mad about it. I mean, I'm of course, I'm really critical. I'm over here. Like, I will find every deduction in a routine. Right. Like I hardly be... would ever give out a 10 if I was a judge, because in my opinion, there's hardly any gymnast out there that actually executes a routine to perfection. Yeah. 
Um, but I am also you can always find something. Yeah, it's definitely not the worst of tens that we've ever seen. I personally would have liked to see her show a little bit more control on her first tumbling pass. She kind of danced out of it, which to me is a sign of like trying to cover up a little bit of extra momentum. Right. And other little things as well, like flexed feet, um, a little bit of bent knees and her twisting. Um, she definitely, yeah, I mean, it's not like it wasn't a bad routine by any means. I mean, she seemed to be performing it really well. Normally, I feel like she's just kind of like in the zone and she is like not really trying to get into the choreography or anything. But she did seem to really be enjoying herself when she was doing the routine and um, her leaps and jumps are like perfection. Yes. Past 180. So there was definitely some good moments in that routine. And it was a, it was a great routine. And I feel bad for everybody who has her on their fantasy teams <laughs> because nobody had her up because Courtney was saying that she was, I mean, we knew Floor was going to be her next event back, but I don't think anybody was expecting it to be this soon. No. And I mean, especially for her to come back and then get a 10, like, please, <laughs> please tell me if you had Rachel Bauman on your fantasy team, did you have her in your floor lineup? Because from what I'm seeing on Twitter, it sounds like nobody did. If you had her, if you have her on your fantasy team and you actually had her up in your floor lineup, that probably means you had no other options. So you just put her up because we do that sometimes. And you got extremely lucky, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not like super mad about it. I mean, yeah, of course there's deductions, but like we've seen people get tens for routines that have even more we're, yeah we're very very clearly not tens this one doesn't like scream oh my god that was not a 10 well they also had soraya hawthorne get a 9975 and that to me felt high considering that her jumps were definitely lacking control yeah and that was visible to me that's, in the moment watching it live and that's how you know it's not perfect if, yeah if i have to go back and watch it there's an argument for why you deserve a 10 because i'm having to go back and look for deductions right if i'm catching something when it's live there's no way it should be going above a 995. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff that gets me fired up when there's a deduction that's, like, very, very obvious. Uh, Rachel's routine didn't have that. You know, when you watch it, it was a good routine, so yeah. I'm not going to get, like, super raged up about it. <laughs> but in general, Georgia, what I was proud of was the fact that they bounced back from that horrific <laughs> beam rotation, and they were so strong on floor. They didn't count anything below a 985. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what you're looking for with the team. And I'm sure Courtney's going to be feeling pretty good about that. The fact that they could have a performance that is as bad as Beam was for them. And just to be able to bounce back and put it behind them and go out there and start completely fresh on floor and kind of build their momentum again. I think that's really hard to do because I think... And we kind of mentioned at the beginning how a lot of the teams felt like they had this weird energy. Yeah. And I really noticed that starting with Georgia because, oh my gosh. you know, like... It was bad. Michaela McGee has definitely went down to Georgia as her floor music, which kind of to say, Georgia's floor choreography is so cheesy and gimmicky, and I don't like it. It's definitely a step down from what they've had in the past. Anyways, that's just kind of my side thought, but she has definitely went down to Georgia as her music, and you would think that... I'm pretty sure we said this when we were commentating the mission. Well, I should say I said you, it, because you didn't have a microphone. No, I didn't have a chance to talk. Go but... go back two episodes and listen to that one if you don't know what we're talking about, but <laughs> I think I remember saying that, like, the crowd in Athens will love this or whatever, because I just assumed and that, like... they, they ratioed you, because <laughs> they definitely were not eating it up. I think that the life was just sucked out of the entire arena, and I think to be a Georgia fan probably is really exciting. 
exhausting. Like to have your team at one point be up at the top and then to have them be going 46, 65 on beam. And not even ranking 195 as a team. Right. It's really disappointing. And I would imagine that it's at times hard to be a fan of a program that has been so up and down throughout the years. It's a roller coaster ride, I'm sure. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, the energy just fell off. But I do feel like Georgia did a really good job of trying to build that energy again on floor. And I think it showed in their performance because, like I said, they didn't count anything below a 985. Finished off with a 10 and a 9975 from Rachel Bauman and Soraya Hawthorne. Couldn't think of a better way to end the meet for them. Well, the best way to end the meet truly was Alyssa and Rachel at the end. The hug that they gave each other. Oh my gosh, it was so sweet. It was so adorable. Although I feel like they looked a little bit sad. At least it did. It did kind of look like a sad hug. I mean, I'm sure they were both probably disappointed with their performances. I mean, okay, Rachel got a 10, so she was probably, like, partially happy. And the fact that she got it before Alyssa, too, that's something else we should talk about. Yeah. The fact that, like, no one saw that coming. And we did not expect that out of the Bauman sisters, Rachel Bauman on floor would be the first 10 of the pair. I think Alyssa's really wanted it, whether it's on floor or it's on beam. Like, I think she's really, really wanted it. And you can almost see it on her face when she goes out there to compete. She kind of looks nervous or, like, she's putting a lot of pressure on herself. Maybe I'm just reading her on but anyways i think that they were both disappointed in their individual performances and also it's the last time they're going to be competing against each other in the regular season so i'm sure there's some emotions behind that as well but it was a cute moment i thought to end the meet (laughs) and florida i guess we should probably talk about how they wrapped up their meet (laughs) they also had a balancing situation going on not nearly to the extent that georgia did not by any means but it was just kind of messy beam not really what they're capable of like we mentioned Alyssa Bauman had a fall Leah Clapper Leanne they all just looked a little bit off and also these girls are like all on our fantasy team with the exception of Sloan so like I know come on (laughs) I know our main team is like struggling on beam because we basically have Florida's entire lineup for the most part and they did us dirty this week they did yeah so I'm like come on guys get it together um yeah I don't really know what to say about it I do feel like every team has an off day um whether that be an off event or an off meet so I'm not necessarily worried about it I definitely still think that Florida's an incredible team with so much potential and room to grow so I don't think that like this is indicative of anything that we should like counting them out I'm not worried about it either I will say, though, can I say one thing about Leanna and Beam? Yes, go for it. You're going to say the same thing that I'm going to say. She needs to do less skills. The routine composition is not good for college gymnastics. I don't understand it. She does a front aerial, a side aerial, and a side semi. Yeah. And I'm like, why? That's standalone skills. And then she also does a backhand swing, step out, full turn, leap series, which I get it. Like, those are things she has to do to meet the requirements for her routine. But, like, why do we have a side semi, a side aerial, and a front aerial just as, and a regular series. Yeah, just as standalone skills. It just feels, like, random, and I don't really quite know, like, why they constructed the routine that way. Well, so I know that she obviously wants to continue doing elite, and I'm guessing that this is her way of trying to keep her body used to doing some of these skills. But she can train them and not actually put them in her competition routine. That's, that's what I don't understand, is training it is one thing to keep your body used to doing it and kind of in that shape. 
so that way when you go back to elite, you feel like you, you know, you're not missing a beat. But to be competing that routine every week, I mean, granted, last week she did it phenomenal, but I was yeah. worried about it because I think it's one of those routines that, sure, she's clearly capable of doing it yeah. amazing. It's not like an endurance thing or anything. I'm just wondering how consistent she's going to be able to hit all of those skills because it really, in the end, is going to affect the team. Yeah. And I feel like when you're on a college team, that's really what it's all about, is you have to do what's best for the team. And I'm not sure if Leanne doing all of this difficulty is opening the door for her to get more deductions, get a lower score. Oh, yeah. It's it, opening up the, a, a pretty big door that's ultimately going to affect her team. Yeah. It gives the judges a lot more room to take deductions. And you don't need to do more than you need to do in college gymnastics. Like we've already said in this episode, it's about doing things as perfect as you can. And Leanne already has that going for her. Like, she's such a beautiful gymnast and so technically perfect that... You know, she really just needs to go out there and do the minimum requirements and then she'll get those big scores. But when she's doing all these extra skills that she does not need to be doing, like it's not adding anything to her routine. All it's doing is giving her more room to be deducted, which in turn is just going to affect the team. So Florida overall, I think, has a little bit of things that they need to work out as far as routine composition goes. Um, you know, Riley, we mentioned the dismount, Leanne's beam routine. And they had some injuries at this meet as well. Yeah, I actually, that was my next note. Um, Ellie Lazari went down in warm-ups. I haven't had the chance to look too deep into it, so I have no idea what we think her injury may be or what event she was doing. I have no information on it. It may be public information. I just haven't had the chance to look into it yet. Um, and then Hallie Taylor on floor, her first pass. It looked like an Achilles, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Usually we can spot those when they happen, unfortunately, because it happens so much in gymnastics. But um, she was the anchor on floor. She really didn't need to go. They already had a pretty decent floor total. And, yeah, first pass, she went down. And really unfortunate because this is her senior year. And, you know, she's not someone who typically sees a whole lot of lineup time anyways. So it was an opportunity for her that, unfortunately, just didn't end well. Just a quick note in editing, we can now confirm that both Hallie Taylor and Ellie Lazari have torn their Achilles, unfortunately. Two Achilles tears in one meet, that's kind of brutal. So we're definitely sending them our best wishes and hoping for a speedy recovery. The final meet that we watched on Friday was Utah and Arizona State. Team total was a 1974 for Utah to Arizona State's 1961. And there was a lot of weird things that kind of happened at this meet. This is another one that I felt like the energy and the vibe was totally weird. Mm-hmm. And I know we weren't the only one that felt that way because I was seeing people on Twitter talking about it. And we have our group chat with the Half and Half Out podcast and we were kind of talking about it in there as well. But so Utah, we'll start with them on vault. They had a pretty good vault rotation. Not really a whole lot of stuck landings, but... From what we know of, because we didn't really see much of anything, because we were stuck watching basketball, because the (laughs) Pac-12 Network decided to play a basketball game on, like, five different channels of theirs instead of just giving one to gymnastics at least just one and having that one beyond whatever other channels exist they like just play that on every channel that they have because there's like i don't know how it works but there's like pac 12 mountain and pac 12 pacific and they have all these different channels and then it was on, I think it was like three different channels. Yeah, and the game went overtime. And which... then they had a link to this extra stream, like this this extra, like Pac-12 online. And when you click on it, it would still open up basketball. And I'm like, I don't get it. There's <laughs> nothing that annoys me more than 
that <laughs> when you're trying to watch gymnastics and the game or whatever is on before it goes into overtime and you're stuck watching a sport that you don't want to watch while the meet is actually happening because they don't postpone the meet like they don't hold the meet off for this right so you're just missing gymnastics and we missed a great vault rotation apparently and also uh cammy hall passing out after her vault yeah so i went back and i watched some of the individual routines that are on youtube so i was able to see some of utah's vaults um but cammy hall's wasn't uploaded she got a 9-8 so um it wasn't like she had like a bad vault or anything like that and it also wasn't like she stuck it and you know and <laughs> knocked the wind out of her but something happened because she walked off and basically collapsed she passed out and there was a me i think it was last season maybe where she i don't know if she actually passed out but she, she looked, looked like, like she, she was, was about to like yeah she, the look on her face was like she was just about to pass out and the coaches also looked really concerned which is so scary mm-hmm but she did appear to be okay. She was back out on the floor. The next rotation or two, I don't know exactly when she came out, but she did end up coming back out and was dancing along on the sidelines with her teammates, and she seemed to be doing well, so that's good. Yeah, and something else that was kind of weird that happened was um, Jordan Jaslow from ASU in the third rotation. She was going to do her last pass, and her knee brace started to come off, so she <laughs> she was dancing, and I was kind of sitting there like, okay, what is she going to do? Like, is she just going to go for it and leave her brace kind of like? Yeah, I don't know what would happen if she did do it with her brace coming off like that like I don't know if I, I, imagine I, don't know. That, I would imagine that she's wearing a brace obviously for a reason and there's a reason that it's there and um, in order for it to be functional it would need to be on properly and secured I didn't know if it was just like a strap or if the, the whole brace was actually coming off because it kind of looked like it was almost like like, like a strap almost imagine it being like velcro or something and like it was just kind of coming off I don't know if that's actually what was happening but that's what it looked like but she stopped, she stopped before her last pass and just straight up fixed it and I thought it was so funny but also good for her because and the judges didn't deduct her for it which is good that they shouldn't i know i was so worried about that i didn't know what they were going to do but they because that's one of those things where sometimes situations happen in gymnastics that just don't either it has never happened before or it doesn't happen often and so that's one of those things where you kind of forget like wait so like can they deduct like is that allowed i don't know (laughs) well because like you're not allowed i mean correct me somebody if i'm wrong but like you're not allowed to like pick a wedgie Right. So, like, if a judge sees you pulling your leotard out of your <laughs> your booty, um, that's a deduction. So, I didn't know if fixing a leg brace would be kind yeah. of considered in the same category. Yeah. It wasn't. To answer our question, it was not because she got a 985. So, no deduction was taken. It was a great routine. Shout out to her. Yeah. That's kind of epic. Because I feel like that would have thrown me off. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, oh, crap. Like, what do I do? The second, my anxiety, the second I saw that my knee brace was, like, coming undone, I would have been the rest of the routine thinking about, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe she was doing that. But, like, if she was, she kept her composure and she played it cool. And she's just like, pause, let me fix this. And then she went and she nailed her last pass. And it was a good routine. Yeah. She definitely made the right choice. I want to talk about Utah on bars because they went... 49-425, which is a great score. The problem that I have with that is that I don't really feel like the routines that we saw reflected that. I don't feel like that was a 49-425 rotation. Um, the biggest discrepancy that I saw was Crystal Issa on bars with a 9-775. And she took an extra swing, so she definitely had a visible mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like to get a 9-775 with that mistake was... I don't know, a little bit high. Um, Dare I say mathematically impossible? (laughs) 
Honey, with, nothing is mathematically impossible. With the other mathematics. deductions that were in her routine, I'm just like, I don't understand how you saw all of that and came to this conclusion. That is literally the story of college gymnastics. And then same <laughs> thing with Grace McCallum on bars. I think she got a 9925. And it was not a bad routine by any means, but... Just the typical built-in deductions that there always are. Right, like little things that you can point out and a tiny little step, well, hop, actually, on the dismount. And it went 9925, and I was like, yeah, that's that's really high. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit generous. <laughs> so, yeah, I think score-wise, it was one of their best events of the night. But actual gymnastics-wise, maybe another event was better. Like, floor was pretty good for them. Well, and that's the thing. I Bars was not a bad event. I just don't know mm-hmm. if it was As that, good as it looked. <laughs> yes, right. Beam, on the other hand, that was rough. We'll get to that. Wanted to mention ASU, their first two events, because I feel like they were really staying in the mix with Utah. Mm -hmm. And when it got to Beam and Utah was making mistakes, there was a moment there where I thought that ASU was going to be able to pull an upset. Oh, could you imagine if they beat Utah at home? It would have been wild. Their best event of the night was actually Bars, the first event. They got a 49-225. Really glad to see Sarah Clark back out there Mm -hmm. in the lineup. She is one of their bar queens. Also, Hannah Scharf had a great routine. She actually had a great day in general. She actually won the all-around. Hannah Scharf always has a good day. She's just, she's great. She does. (laughs) And Alex Theodoro, moving on to vault. Her vault is incredible. Yeah, it's the same vault we talked about Leanne Wan, that half on, half off, and how it's hard to get the amplitude that you need and the distance that you need on that vault. She does a pretty good job with it. Like, it's a pretty dynamic vault for a vault that's not very dynamic, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it totally. And I think that technically she did better last week. She got a 9-9 last week, and I think that it was a little bit better executed, um, but still was able to come away with a 9-8-7-5 this week. Hannah Scharf also got a 9875 for, um, I don't remember if she stuck her ball. It, it, was, it was pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. She's definitely ready for that one and a half. Her full is just so good. She lands it so easily. Girl needs to add that half twist in there. <laughs> so Utah on beam. We have been raving for the last couple weeks about how great their beam squad is and we just didn't see it this week. Grace fell, so they actually had to count two scores that were in the 9-6 range, and then Amelie Morgan's 9-7-7-5, which is not a terrible score, but you know, obviously she's capable of better. So definitely some scores in there that they typically would have wanted to throw away, but with Grace kind of being a little bit off that night, Crystal Issa had to come and save the day, and Miley O'Keefe. And, and that boy, they did. did they. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal Issa got a 9-9-7-5. It was a really good routine. It was. Hats off to Crystal Issa. That was a beautiful routine. I love her dismount, the cartwheel gainer layout full. I love that combination. So when gymnasts do that, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then Miley O'Keefe, the anchor, 9-9-5. Oh my gosh. She she had a 10 going until the dismount. Yeah, She just stepped and turned too quickly. She needed to absorb the landing a little bit more. Otherwise, she was definitely going to get a 10 because, yeah, you mentioned Issa got a 9.975 before her. Um, There was no deductions that I saw in Miley's beam routine other than the dismount. So that kind of sucks, but still like a big score and a good way to bounce back after all the routines that came before. 
Another highlight of the night on floor was Jillian Hoffman with a 9975 in the leadoff position. And she's somebody who really we haven't seen a whole lot since her freshman year. She has a huge double layout. Mm-hmm. So super excited to not only see her back in, but then to go 9975. I don't think well, any of us were expecting that. Welcome back. <laughs> like we mentioned, Grace kind of had a little bit of an off meet. She went out of bounds on floor. She was short on her full end. Landed with her chest kind of low and like stumbled out of it. So not her best. And you can just tell that she's still adjusting, I think, to college gymnastics. And that was something that they actually talked about in the package. I think it was before Beam, just about how, you know, with Elite, it's all about difficulty and going out there and, of course, being consistent, which I feel like Grace was pretty consistent in Elite. But now being in college, it's more about being perfect. And that's something that I think she's still trying to work on and kind of find that balance between having the difficult skills, being consistent, and, of course, aiming for perfection. Being perfect. (laughs) And I know that she can do it. It's only the third week of the season. There's still plenty of time for her to kind of work things out. And I also feel like every team at some point in the season, has an off meet. I mean, absolutely. I think you. it would be weird not to. It would be pretty, like, superhero-ish, superhero-esque to just go through the whole season without having any major mistakes or not having a meet that's, like, a little bit off or not your best. So Yeah, it gives them something to focus on, something to continue to work on, and similar, like we said, to Florida, not really worried about Utah a whole lot either. I think they definitely still have one of the best teams in the nation. It was just an off night. And I think to have your off night still be at 1974 is pretty incredible. Most teams would take that for sure. And ASU, they kind of fell apart on beam. was hoping that they were going to be able to keep it together because I wanted them to at the very least keep it close with Utah. But unfortunately, just weren't able to get it done. But they are returning a lot of people to their lineups. People who were in last week because of COVID and just different protocols that they had within their program. So definitely saw a lot of faces back in this week that we were expecting to see last week. And... I think despite not having the best beam rotation, they were still able to put together a pretty solid competition on the other three events and still come away with a pretty decent score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a one nine six one, which I know they're really happy with that, kind of keeping up that one nine six plus streak. And they are just going to continue to build and improve as the season goes on. So on Saturday, Brittany and I went to the Michigan State versus Iowa meet, which is a really fun meet to go to because that's two teams who are not only on the rise in the Big Ten Conference, but two teams that are really close in terms of what they can do. I mean, that meet really could have gone either way. And that's the most fun. Like when you go into a meet and you don't really know who's going to win, it's up in the air and it's up for grabs. Yeah. That makes it even more exciting as a fan to be in the stands. And it was our first time being back at Jenison Fieldhouse since the beginning of COVID, which is yeah. crazy to think about. The last time we were at an MSU meet was back in 2020 when EMU was at MSU. It was actually everything, right before the shutdown. Yeah, everything shut down right after that. So it was good to be back. MSU is a great team. Iowa is also a phenomenal team. And it was an incredibly close matchup. All the way through the whole meet. Yeah. Um, there was definitely some points where I was like, ooh, I think Michigan State's going to run away with this one. And then actually in the end, it ended up being Iowa. They had a 196-475 to MSU's 196-35. But just a really fun, competitive meet between these two teams who really are kind of changing the trajectory of the Big Ten Conference. I think that, you know, for a long time, it was, I mean, obviously Michigan is still very much at the top, but... 
Nebraska was in there and Penn State for a while. And now it's Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa. And Michigan State really is kind of coming up and showing everyone like, hey, like we're actually kind of good. Yeah, Michigan State is a team that I feel like not enough people are talking about. And I blame that on BTN Plus and their meets not being accessible. We blame everything on BTN Plus. We I do. have a stomachache right now because of BTN Plus. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> same. I also always have a headache because of BTN Plus. Because I just feel like not a lot of gymnastics fans are willing to pay for their coverage like we've talked about in the past. And so a lot of the times a team like MSU is behind a paywall and nobody's paying to see it. But really looking forward to next week because they're going to be at Michigan on the Big Ten Network. So they're actually going to be on TV. And I'm so glad because they deserve to be seen at the national level like that. Yeah, definitely high quality gymnastics from both teams. Um, So we're going to talk some highlights from that meet. I think we both have to say the first rotation, Gabby Stevens, the freshman for MSU, Huge Yurchenko full scored a perfect 995 because again, Yurchenko full only starts for 995. So I don't know if like the crowd realized that that was a perfect score because you know, obviously it's not like a 10 being flashed, right? So. It's not as like recognizable <laughs> to the average person, right? So there probably were some people there that didn't realize that okay, it's not just a big score, this is like a perfect score, but definitely a big moment for her. We totally recognized that it. it was a phenomenal vault, and to see that. Not only her reaction, but the entire team. Mike Rowe, he is the head coach, and he is so much fun to watch on the sidelines because he actually will like jump up and down and like he looks like he's a, a part of the team. Yeah. yeah, he gets so hype, and I absolutely he's love one it. of the most energetic coaches out there. <laughs> and honestly, so is Larissa Libby as well for Iowa. She's like always dancing with the team, and yeah, it kind of blends in with the teammates. But so. I love that. Yeah. I feel like it's they're all working together as one team. Yeah, to, one family. Yes. Bring the energy. Um, Another highlight for me, again, MSU on bars. They really had a pretty good bars rotation, a lot of good bar swinners, but Delaney Harkness, the sophomore in that anchor spot, she came away with a 9.925, and honestly, that was because of the dismount, which she did stick, but it was kind of like an awkward stick. She kind of landed with her feet staggered and leaned a little bit, like she was fighting for the stick. So that's obviously where they took the deduction, but... If she wouldn't have done that, if it would have been like a stuck, cold, stuck landing, um, it probably would have gone time because she was like, you could tell she was going really aggressive on the handstands. She keeps her legs glued together on her ginger release move, which we always talk about that with Michigan's Naomi Morrison. Like I absolutely love when gymnasts keep their legs together on their release moves like that. Not only their legs together, but also completely straight and no bend in the knees. Yeah, it, it really is impressive. And the angle that we were sitting on, that's the angle where you can really see her legs as they come through and she does that half twist so yeah no deductions there it was a great routine and definitely deserved every bit of that 9925 so that was one of the highlights of the meet for me moving over to beam for msu their anchor bailey garcia huge routine came in clutch with a 9-9 and what i love about her is that she has such just a calm energy on that event she's very poised in her movements she looks so calm confident and collected up there honestly when i was watching her all i could think about was how one day this girl's gonna get a 10 like I didn't know if it was going to be there in that moment although it was a very good routine like there wasn't very many obvious deductions no not that I saw but I'm just sitting there watching her and I'm like she's only a sophomore she's got plenty of time to go and she is definitely going to get a 10 at some point in her career she's just so good you you wouldn't like I don't want to say you wouldn't expect it but I think if you're paying attention to MSU 
you would expect it because yeah. you know who she is and you recognize her as one of those gymnasts that can potentially go up there and get a big score like that. But I think if you're not paying attention, which, you know, like we kind of already said, Michigan State's one of those schools that is not as accessible as some of the other teams out there. So, you know, if you're not paying attention to Michigan State and Bailey Garcia gets a 10 one day, don't be surprised because she totally deserves it. You heard it here first. <laughs> And then also another highlight for MSU, I just have Florida in general. It was a phenomenal yeah. rotation. Tumbling-wise, choreography-wise, they really have it all. Yeah, one of my favorite routines is Delaney Harkness. I don't really know why I like it. It's just fun. I like all the dance moves that she does. She's really, like, sassy and cool and... I don't know. It's just fun to watch. She always had a good choreography as an elite slash J.O. gymnast. But I feel like as she got older, well, she was kind of lacking in performance a little bit. That's funny that you say that because I was just about to say the exact opposite. Really? Yeah. I was going to say, I don't really associate her with having good choreography in the past. I like how she performed it. But I'm mostly talking about back when she was an elite, which was back in like, what was it, 2014 or something? Yeah. Well, she did. Her routine was more like cutesy, but she, she just performed it well. I don't know. I guess I wouldn't say good choreography. I feel like that's a stretch. But here at MSU, absolutely. I personally liked it, I guess. So maybe it's not... It's maybe a personal it's not, preference. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't classify it as actual good choreography. I enjoyed her J.O. routines. I found that as she got older, she kind of wasn't performing them as well. But yeah, she came to college and... She's really coming out of her shell, I feel like. Yeah. And really just evolving into this mature competitor. Yeah. And also just performer in general. Like, she has beautiful tumbling. She has a huge full end. Which that was something that she did as an elite gymnast. But then when she dropped back down to level 10, I don't think we saw it at all. I mean, maybe at a, a meet that I didn't happen to catch I don't on think YouTube. So, but yeah, she kind of stopped doing that skill. So now it's great to see that back in college. And she's doing it really well. Yeah. Um, another floor team that I like is Ashley Hofletch. She is just so intense and dramatic. I mean, just such great choreography. You guys need to go look at the routines on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Former MSU gymnast Elena Cartwright, she did the floor routines, and they're so good. And then I also got to give a shout-out to the freshman, Skylar Schulte. I said this on Twitter. She did not have to go as hard as she did for <laughs> us, but she goes all out. She's just giving it her all in this floor routine. Also has a tucked full in. So she has, like, big tumbling, really big dance. I feel like that... Florentine has the potential to go viral. Yeah, I was I was watching it earlier and I thought that too. Like, it's just the music. She has nails, hair, hips, heels from Patrick Hall. So that's a really fun, upbeat song to have. It's catchy. Yeah, and then, oh my gosh, this, the dance. She goes like all out the, the ending dance. is my absolute favorite. <laughs> yes. I don't even know how to explain it. We're not the best at explaining dance moves Well, here, it but... kind of reminds me of a death drop. Yeah. But she's not actually doing a death drop. Like, the finishing position is how you would end with a death but drop. But she kind of, like, rolls around really quickly and, like, whips her head and, like, falls into and that position. And it happens so quickly, but also so effortlessly. And I'm like, ah, oh, love it. And perfectly timed to the music. Yeah, it's really smooth. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Absolutely love that routine. So shout out to Michigan State, just in general, for how well they've been performing. Really, they were looking good last season. Season and then COVID said screw you and they shut down MSU's season but they're kind of returning at that same level this year and if not better yeah honestly if not better they they look so good and really are going to be competitive in this Big Ten conference and challenging for a spot in the evening session which isn't 
typically what we expect for MMSU. They're normally in the afternoon session. So I'm just really excited about them. And shout out to Elena Cartwright for the Floratines. In the past, Nicole Curler-Jones has done the Floratines, and they were still great then. But oh, yeah. They're, they're still great now, even with Elena. So a lot of great stuff going on at MSU and a lot of good stuff going on with Iowa as well. What were some of your highlights from that meet, Britt? Well, I have to say... One of my highlights wasn't something that we actually saw in the competition. It was just seeing Claire Kaji warm up on floor. Yes. I got really excited for a minute because I thought she was finally going to make her floor debut. But I think this is super promising because she was tumbling. So yeah. she's, she's back doing tumbling yeah. on floor, which means that next week, maybe, fingers crossed, we'll actually see her in that lineup. Yeah, she did the dance through and she was also tumbling during the warm up. So she looked really, really good. I did not know that she was not going to be in floor. Like you said, I was thinking this was going to be her debut this season. So she definitely looks ready to go. And Fingers crossed for next week, hopefully. Well, and also we should mention that Alex Greenwald appeared to go down with an injury. And I say appeared because she did one of her tumbling passes. To be honest with you, I, I wasn't looking. I didn't see it happen. I was looking at somebody else and I looked over to floor and she was laying on the ground and appeared to be like holding her Achilles almost. So she was on her knees and kind of lifting her leg one of her legs up off the ground and she stayed in that position for a couple of minutes and someone came over and checked her out but she was like pointing to or touching her achilles area so i was like oh great she ended up standing and going over to like the vaulting area and sitting down while they went and got her some ice and then they ended up wrapping her lower leg in ice so not exactly sure what the injury is or the extent of it well we should also know like we tweeted she was actually standing for a while like immediately not immediately but pretty shortly after the fall and after she appeared to be injured she sat down for a minute talked to the coaches then she was standing up by the floor cheering on her teammates then she went and sat back down and got her leg wrapped and then she got back up with her leg wrapped and then ended up sitting the rest of the rotation in a chair well, cheering on her teammates. You were really watching I her. was on Alex Greenwald watch because <laughs> I knew a lot of people were going to be wanting updates for fantasy gym purposes and also just to know what's going on like she's one of their stars so it's just funny to me you were like i know every time that she stood up i know every single time that she sat down okay well in fairness it was during warm-ups and it was like the end of warm-ups so there really wasn't a whole lot going on anyway so i'm like i'm just gonna watch her and like see what goes on here so that way i can report back to the people that's fair so we hope she's okay but that may possibly, if she's not, at least temporarily out of the lineup, leave a spot for Claire Kaji. Also, Adeline Kentline. She appeared to be resting at this meet. I was so mad. She was someone that I was looking forward to seeing. I know. Of same. course, the meet that we go to where they're, you know, we get to see him in person. She's not competing. Because we don't really get to see Iowa that much in person. No. they don't really was... compete against Michigan in the regular season. Yeah, it's always at, like, Big Fives, which I guess we do go to the Big Five meet. But, it, yeah, it's just... It's harder to watch because there's a bunch of teams going all at once you can't really truly appreciate them and soak them in yeah like you would in a dual meet yeah exactly so it was nice to get to see iowa during the regular season but i really wanted some adeline kenlin action and we just didn't get that unfortunately although she was just like fun to watch on the sidelines she was like hyping up her teammates and yeah i see a lot of people on twitter like also worried about her and like where she was at and why she was in from what i could tell she was completely fine it yeah. appeared like they were just resting her she was like high energy jumping up and down dancing she was like coaching her team 
teammates on the sidelines. It was kind of nice. Yeah, she seemed like perfectly fine and just in great spirits. Just a good so. vibe overall. <laughs> just resting, most likely. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So that's kind of like an injury slash where are they update from us, from our perspective as fans in the stands and what we could tell. Um, hopefully everyone's good to go next week, though, because... Obviously, I want Iowa to dominate the season and have everyone be healthy. Yeah, they won. Don't forget, you guys. They won the regular season Big Ten title last year. So. And they're probably hungry to do it again, I would imagine. But they're going to need all of their key contributors definitely healthy and in those lineups to be able to get that done, I think. Mr. Quavia Henderson, she is always a highlight. She had a phenomenal day. Her vault and floor in particular really stood out to me. Just the amount of height that she gets on her fall. We know that she's capable of doing a massive one and a half. So I feel like she could do a double, honestly. Probably, yeah. But that vault is always a highlight. Really, no matter how she does, like whether she sticks it or not, it's still a highlight just because of how actually technically perfect the vault is and how beautiful yeah, it is. Yeah, lots of amplitude, straight body position. It's just so good. Her floor routine, same thing. A tucked full end that is literally in the rafters. Choreography that is so intricate and almost like coy. Like I feel like her presence on floor is just cool and like unfazed and like confident. I feel like that sums her up. Yeah, I think the best word would just be like coy. Like, am I wrong? Like, I feel like that's definitely, no, like, I can that's that. the epitome of Jerquavia on floor. And then another highlight, too, was Marissa Rojas, the freshman. She made her floor debut and also her beam debut. She was in the anchor position and got a 9-9-2-5. So she needs to stay in that lineup. <laughs> I literally tweeted that after the fact. Case closed. I saw her the first meet of the season do an exhibition beam routine, and she did really well. And they just have so much depth in their lineups that I think it's hard for her to really crack into that lineup. But the two times now that I've seen her and this first time being in the lineup, she's definitely getting the job done. Yeah, I feel like she's making a pretty strong case for herself, for sure. So she's someone that we're really excited about. And again, this Iowa team as a whole... So impressed with them. It was a close meet between MSU and Iowa. Like you said, Iowa came away with the win in the end, but definitely expecting big things from these two teams as we move throughout the season. Something else that happened on Saturday was Oklahoma getting their highest score of the season so far with a 197.9. That's more like it. A huge score and definitely more on par with what we would typically be expecting from them. I cannot tell you what happened at the meet or how accurate those scores were because one, I was not watching because we were at the Michigan State meet and they were the times for that was conflicting. So didn't get the chance to watch the meet, but also it sounds like it doesn't really matter because they didn't show anyone besides Arizona. Sounds like no one got to watch it. Right. So from what I've seen on social media, like the girls will share on their Instagram stories if they had someone in the stands that recorded a part of their routine they post it and we can see it that way but of course that's typically only a highlight because why would somebody post a follower mistake right. so we're only seeing the highlights there anyways so it did look like from looking at the scores though that it was a pretty well balanced solid meet throughout which that's what we would expect from Oklahoma. This meet looks like it was a little bit more like them, like their typical selves. Yeah. It was nice to see them back out there performing at that level again. And that score actually moved them up in the rankings to third and dropped Florida down to fourth. So fins are getting spicy. Fins are heating <laughs> up in week three of college gymnastics. <laughs> I think things were heating up week one of college gymnastics. Yeah, things have been just really intense from the start. Let's be real. Something else really exciting that happened this weekend was on Sunday, 
LIU went 1-9-4-2, which is not only a program record score for them, but it's also their first time winning a meet. That is so exciting. And they had new Leos. You see, it was like a, it almost has like a camo feel to it, but yeah. if you look closely, they're sharks, which is kind of oh, cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. I mean, I saw yeah. the Leos, but I didn't like analyze it that much. Yeah, they're sharks. Interesting. It's shark- I have to go back and look at that. Shark camo. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, it was a great meet for them. Their win was over Yale. They also had a program record bar score as well. So it was just a lights out meet for them. They're getting better and better each week. I remember, I mean, obviously last season was their first season as a team, but they just had some not so great scores, which we kind of expected one with the pandemic two with them being a brand new team. But they're like already so much improved just in that year. Yeah. And you know, they're kind of, they're really being competitive with the other teams of their level and the NCAA. Like, they're they're starting to make a name for themselves and hold their own against teams. Like, honestly, you could put them up against Georgia at this point and they'd probably beat Georgia. Oof. <laughs> the tea. You literally just spilled some massive tea there. I mean, they went... One nine four two, like <laughs> that is kind of on par with what they've been doing. And I didn't watch the meet, but I saw some people on Twitter saying that it actually could have been a little bit higher than that. So yeah, I'm excited to go back and watch it because that's another one, like you just said, we didn't get the chance to watch. I've seen a couple individual routines, and they were phenomenal. Yeah, they look really good. So a program on the rise. We love to see it, and kind of hoping that. You know, this gives them confidence to keep working hard in the gym and keep improving. And and more importantly, I hope that this inspires other schools to add gymnastics to their program. Mm-hmm. I think this shows that, like, you can start up a team, get good recruits, and really within a short period of time, I mean, like you said, it's only their second season, be going up there and putting up competitive scores. Yeah, so, yeah that score really is a competitive score. And, you know, I think that hopefully they're just going to continue to build and improve upon that. And that's really cool to see. So moving on to the final meet that we're going to talk about for this week, which is Oregon State, UCLA, and UC Davis was also at this meet as well. But really, I mean, on the broadcast, it was pretty much, I mean, not pretty much, it was 100% focused on UCLA and Oregon State. They really said, UC Davis, who are you? Yeah, sorry, UC Davis, apparently no love from the Pac-12 network, but um, they had some highlights. Kiana Abraham from UC Davis, she's a freshman. Um, she posted a 9875 on vault, 9825 on floors. So like, round of applause there. I remember following her from a couple of years ago. She was someone who kind of went around for going from cheerleading to gymnastics. She transitioned really, really well in a very short period of time, kind of pulled a Lainey Madsden type move, but really just transitioned nicely. And now she's in college and seems to be doing really well. So but didn't obviously get to see her routine, but watching the live scores, I was super excited about that. Yeah, really impressive scores. And as far as UCLA and Oregon State go, Oregon State took home the win with a 197 to UCLA's 1963. So definitely an improvement for UCLA from last week's performance. Oregon State, really, really good performance in front of the home crowd. And the first time they beat UCLA, I think on the broadcast, they said in nine years. So and then a second later, he said something that contradicted itself. So I'm like, yeah, he also said something about 2017. So someone feel free to fact check us. We didn't have the time to you know pull out the record books and see the last time that they beat each other. But 
definitely not something that happens all the time. I think yeah. when it comes to the win-loss record, UCLA definitely had a one-up on Oregon State. So yeah. this is super impressive. And I think a lot of it has to do with Oregon State's freshman class. Yeah. Not only do they have a huge freshman class, they have... A lot of phenomenal talent in there. Obviously, everybody knows that Jade Carey broke Oregon State's all-around program record literally in her second collegiate meet ever. So <laughs> casual. We would expect nothing less. It was a 39-8. That was largely due to two 9.975s, one on beam, one on floor. She got a 9.95 on bars for the second week in a row. Currently number one in the nation on that event. Who would have thought? Shocker, right? I'm like, like literally shocker. That wasn't sarcastic. Like, actual <laughs> shocker. Like, I never would have thought that. And Ball, she got a 9-9, which also ties what she did the previous week. So super consistent already. And definitely somebody that I can already tell is going to go down in the history books as one of the greatest college gymnasts <laughs> of all times. Like, it is a matter of time before she starts getting 10s, not only on floor, but also Ball. I think those are the two that I, I can see her almost consistently getting 995, 9975, 10s even, yeah. pretty consistently week after week. She's that good. With the way scoring was going, I thought she was going to get a 10 on floor this week. I feel like she was definitely set up for it, so I was kind of surprised to see the judges only went 9975 because I knew before the routine it was going to be big, and I thought that, you know, if she just does her normal gymnastics, it would go 10, but it's definitely coming. What did you think about her beam 9975? Um, if we're being honest here, definitely a little bit overscored. Minor deductions. It was just minor deductions, but she had a, a little bit of movement of the feet on the dismount. Just looked a little bit off on her leaps. I wouldn't say off. I feel like she just had like minor arm adjustments as she went from one leap to the next, like in the connection. Yeah. She adjusts her arms, and it's not at all like a waiver by any means, but just something that I noted that wasn't quite, I guess, perfect, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know when you're watching a routine... Like you Kinda. can pick up on those little, little tiny things. And when I saw that score come in, I was shocked. I mean, she's on our fantasy team. She's on two of our fantasy teams. So, I mean, of course, for that reason, I'm thrilled for the 9975. But, yeah, definitely overscored on that one. But I think beam scoring was really high across the board for both teams. It was. Yeah. There so at was, least it was consistent. Yeah. There was a lot of routines, particularly on the UCLA side, where I was like, no, probably not, but go off. <laughs> um, before we get into UCLA real quick, also wanted to highlight Oregon State's bar rotation. They broke 49 on bars for the first time in almost two years. So Spencer from the Balance Room Situation pointed this out on Twitter, but it was back in February of 2020 was the last time they did that well on bars. So by no means is a 49 flat, like an amazing score that like rivals the best in the nation. I'm not trying to say that, but... But big improvements for them. Big, big improvements. And they're not the kind of team that has... They're not known for their bar squad. They haven't been for a long time. So I think to go up and second meet of the season finally push past that mark, I think just speaks volumes to really what the freshman class even is contributing because at the end of the lineup, you have Phoebe Zabuchik and, of course, Jade Carey in the anchor spot. Yeah, and they bring a lot of difficulty and unique skills. That was something that I noticed from watching them. Phoebe has an Ashova, which is basically like a straddle back with a half turn. And then Jade, she has a jam-packed routine. She has a Maloney, a Baharwaj, a Van Leeuwen, and a full twisting double back dismount. Also, Phoebe, speaking of the dismount, I forgot to say she does the Arabian double front, same dismount as Miley O'Keefe. So really unique stuff on the bars and... 
big difficulty as well. And that's really nice to see from two freshmen. I was really surprised by Jade's difficulty. You know, she obviously is capable of doing, you know, so many different skills coming from the elite world. And you just never know how it's going to translate to college. But she's not only being super consistent, but she's actually showing that she's really clean and is able to still throw her highest difficulty, which I think is really, really cool. Like you sometimes see, actually not sometimes, you almost always see gymnasts who come from the elite world water down their routines, kind of because they have to, or it's it's kind of stupid not to. Um, but Jade's like, no, I'm gonna go do my full difficulty, really all across the board. Yeah, because even Vol, <laughs> the double, like that was, she obviously does an Aminar as well in Elite, but there were times where she was pretty consistently just sticking with the double. So yeah. that is very much on par with what we were seeing on the world and Olympic level. Yeah, and then obviously, of course, the double-double on floor, and then, yeah, just this jam-packed bar set. Like, she doesn't need to do all that, but she's doing it just because she can. She's, she's Jade Carey. So yeah, that was just a highlight for me, just seeing that difficulty and some unique skills on bars from the freshmen. Moving on to UCLA, a couple highlights for them. One, I really love the Jade Carey, Jordan Childs reunion that we saw. Oh, I think yes. there were so many sweet moments between them. At the end, when Jade was finishing up on floor, you could see Jordan in the background jumping up and down, cheering, getting the crowd at Oregon State hyped up <laughs> as if she was a part of the Oregon State team. Almost. That's such like, a Jordan Childs move. She felt so at home there and love that they're able to put the rivalry or the competition, I guess you could say, aside and just cheer one another on. That's what college gymnastics is all about, I yeah, feel. It truly is. Yeah, it's fun to see them supporting each other. Jordan also, right before Jade went on vault, you could see her in the background, like pointing to Jade. I don't know what she was she saying. She was like to mouthing her. something. Like she was like hyping her up. She was gassing her up before her party. Yeah. It's just so sweet to see them supporting each other and I'm sure the crowd loved it as well. Um, and also just being treated to Olympians. Well, not actually, there's more Olympians. I feel like everyone's forgetting about Brooklyn Moors. Right. <laughs> because it, to some people, it's like USA Gymnastics. It's like the only thing that matters. I think uh, a lot of people are just thinking about Olympic medalists. And then obviously the USA comes to mind for that. But... Well, because the USA was so dominant for so many years. So it, that usually is at the forefront of most people's mind, especially just the casual fan. Right. The casual fan who was in the stands probably doesn't even know who Brooklyn Moors is, which is offensive as hell. Let's just let's just put that out there. Right. <laughs> Everyone should know who Brooklyn Moors is, but either way, yeah, to have so many Olympians and so much talent in one building is so, so, so exciting. That was definitely one of the meets to be at of the weekend. You know, I think for UCLA, in terms of how they did last week, this meet was a major step up, a major improvement. I think the first two rotations, bars and vault, vault in particular, was pretty weak. So, yeah, you know, they, they did have some 10 start value vaults with Brooklyn Moores, Kendall Poston, and Jordan Childs. Jordan Childs actually threw a different vault. Last week, she attempted the Yurchenko double twist. She did the Kaz full at this meet. So they, they had some 10 start values, but I was kind of surprised to see that it really didn't pay off for them on vault. Um, Jordan did well. She got a 9.875 for her vault. So that's the kind of score they want to see from her. But for Brooklyn Moores and Kendall Poston, both had some landing issues that resulted in, I don't know exactly what the score was, but it was in the 9.6 range. Mm -hmm. So definitely not what you want when you have the 10 start value vaults. They're hoping to bring in those big scores with those vaults. And they're really, at this point, kind of relying on the Urchenko Foles to bring them solid scores, which isn't an ideal situation. 
One of the foals that really stood out to me was Nora Flatley's. Yeah, she's someone that throughout her career, we haven't really seen her in the vault lineup a whole lot. So that's been a pleasant surprise seeing her vaulting and doing all around. I was starting to put one of my highlights is that she was having herself quite a day because really up until the last event being where she fell, she was getting really consistent, solid scores. Yeah. Her floor, I love her choreography. She opens with a triple full as a first pass. That's something that she hasn't done since her elite days. Yeah, she's just, she's doing so well. And I love to see her in her senior year, not only bringing more difficulty, but back doing all four events you know she's kind of dealt with some injuries in her career and you know i didn't know if we'd ever see her even on floor again let alone vault so it's kind of nice to see her now that she's a senior stepping it up and being a leader for the team not only on the competition floor but on the sidelines as well yeah i was gonna say i think that is a highlight in and of itself i think seeing how she steps up for her team you know right now they're still dealing with some injuries some people missing from lineups that you would typically expect to see for example margazetta frazier in the all-around paulina trats on vault that's someone they're hoping to get back in so having someone like nora really step in and not only just fill the position but actually do quite well and yeah. bring in scores that they're counting and it's contributing to the team total she's making a good case to stay in that lineup absolutely and I have to say, the highlight of UCLA's night was definitely their beam rotation. They got through beam, and that is something that we don't often get to say with UCLA. You know, they're the kind of team that in years past, they'll go lights out on every event, and then they'll get to beam and throw the beat away on that event. So I was nervous. I was nervous coming into this, mm -hmm. especially with everything that's been going on. Um, you just never know what the vibe is going to be, what the energy for the meet is going to be, especially on an event like Beam where you have to be so focused. And you're trailing going in. I mean, if they're looking at the scores, they know that they're trailing Oregon State. And I think they're still trying to prove to people, you know, that they're okay and they wanted to redeem themselves after their first meet of the season. So I think there's just a lot probably going on, if I had to assume, a lot going on in these girls' heads. And Oh, yeah. I didn't really know what to expect from them in that last rotation, but I was pleasantly surprised how they held it together and hit their routines. And like we mentioned before, definitely a little bit of overscoring, I would say. Ones that stood out to me in particular was Anna Pedereiro in the leadoff spot. She got a 9-9, which is a career high, obviously. It's only the second meet of the season for them. So she did a lot better than she did last week. And it was a great routine. I didn't quite have it at a 9-9. Um, yeah. A couple little tiny waivers or movements here and there. Nothing major, but definitely I would say enough to keep it from going over a 9.85. I was expecting 9.8, 9.825 range. Yeah, I was surprised by that one. And also Brooklyn Moores, um, she has a lot of unique skills in her routine, which is really cool to see. It's a lot of what she did in her late routine. Yeah, and I didn't know how that was going to translate to college. So I even said to you, like, let's see how this scores. And then I saw it was a 9.85. And I was like, okay, let's see, let's see next week how it, how it scores, <laughs> because I feel like we're not going to come any further until we see another routine. <laughs> I feel like it was definitely a little bit overscored. I mean, I feel like she had an error, whether it was a bobble or a cover up of some sort or just form issue. She had an error on. I guess I shouldn't say an error, but something to deduct for sure on every single thing that she did and still scored a 9.85. So that was a little bit surprising to me. Definitely got a little bit of help from the judges on that one. So that's something that I think going forward, I want to be paying attention to, to see 
how she scores because she's not someone that I think you would think of being in the beam lineup just because, first of all, her routine composition is so different from everybody else. And it leaves so much room for error. Yeah, just the skills that she chose to do. And she was giving off Leanne Wan energy on beam. Yeah. Where it's like she's doing a lot, a whole lot of things I don't think she needs to be doing. (laughs) Well, I feel like it was stuff that, you know, you mentioned she did in her elite routine, but I feel like she wasn't always the most consistent with it as an elite. And it's just a different world in Elite. We already mentioned this, but like that's all about difficulty and building up your start value as high as you can. You can kind of disguise some of the other errors. You can definitely get away with more in yeah. Elite than you can with college. College, you, you have to be perfect. Do the bare minimum, make it look perfect. That's kind of the name of the game in college gymnastics. So we'll see about that going forward. But overall, I, I agree. I think Beam was definitely the highlight for UCLA, whether they got a little bit of help or not. It could have been higher if Nora Flatley hadn't have fallen in the anchor position. Ugh, don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know what hurts. you're talking about. She didn't fall. I didn't see <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, what are you talking about? I didn't see it. My fantasy team didn't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, I would chalk this meet up as a win for UCLA for sure. Especially considering just this past week and everything that's been going on, all the drama within the team. I'm sure that the energy and the vibe of the team has just been off. I I don't know how it couldn't be off. And then to have to turn that around and go and focus on gymnastics and doing so in a public light. I mean, you're on the Pac-12 network. You have a packed arena. And a lot of people looking to see how people are interacting with one another, how they're going to kind of respond to some of the allegations that have been swirling around the team really for the past week. Yeah. A lot of pressure on them, not only with that, but also just trying to improve upon their performance from the week before. I mean, just so much pressure and eyes on this team coming into this meet. But I, I do think that they handled it pretty well. With that being said, at some point, we do plan on talking about everything that has happened at UCLA. We'd love to talk about it and share our thoughts because we definitely have a lot of thoughts on the situation. But really, before we do it in a public way, we want to hear from the people who are directly involved. We'd like to have some official statements, whether that's from UCLA or LSU or the gymnast involved. We haven't really heard directly from anybody on those teams in regards to the situation. The only thing that we do have 100% confirmation on is that Alexis Jeffrey is no longer at UCLA. She did transfer to LSU and intends to walk onto the team there, and they're in the process of getting that underway. And she is eligible to compete for LSU this season. We also know that the SID for UCLA has said that the athletic director will be meeting with members of the gymnastics team sometime later this week. And all of that information came from an article on The Advocate, which we will link down below. You know, there seems to be a lot that continues to be developing and unfolding with this really day by day. So I think we're just going to reserve some of our comments and our thoughts especially just on such a professional forum, like we try to make this podcast, um, just until we have some sort of statement from either one of the universities, the coaches, the gymnasts who were involved in this situation themselves. Yeah, while we have a lot of thoughts on it and we kind of can draw conclusions just as everyone else has, I really don't like to comment on things that are third-party information. I want to know directly from the sources. And that's something that may take some time. Like, I don't know if we're going to get what we're hoping or looking for within a couple days or a week. Um, I think we should, but will we? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But 
In the meantime, we're just trying to show our support for the athletes. Uh, we can understand how difficult and frustrating of a time this probably is for them. And I think all we can really do as gymnastics fans is be supportive of them and show our support to them when they're competing. And in the end, we are hoping that everyone who needs to be held accountable in this situation will be held accountable. That does it for this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And we are already so excited for next week's episode because we have an exciting interview with CMU superstar Hannah Demers. Of course, she qualified to the NCAA championships last year as an individual and has just been killing it for CMU. And we are so excited for you guys to get to know her a little bit more. We had a great interview with her and we're excited to share it with you guys. So stay tuned for that next week and we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.